today we got uh, former Real World St. Thomas uh, castmate and challenger, Trey Weatherholtz. Thank you for being here today. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Um, so I'm just going to start with a basic question. Um, how did you get the name Trey? What was the uh, origin? Yeah, so uh, some people already know my real name is Walter. If you, uh, if you Google or Wikipedia or anything like that, Walter will sometimes come up. Um, I'm named after my grandfather and my father, but when I was born, because there were three Walters in the same house, um, my mom asked my doctor for a nickname uh, for somebody that's the third. And in most languages, um, when you count to three, you count either uno, dos, tres, or uno, due, tres. It's very common for Trey to actually be a nickname for somebody who's the third. So chances are, if you know a Trey in real life, or if you've ever met another Trey or heard of a Trey, um, I would say either eight out of ten times sounds pretty rough that they're probably a nickname. That's probably not their real names. That's how I got mine. And my mom, she's called me that ever since I was born. She never, she never called me Walter. I don't think she was crazy about that name. So, yeah, because Trey's not like a totally common name. You get some rappers and uh, basketball players with the name Trey, but I, I like that. It's you know, it's something uh, unique. It's, it's unique, and it, it was given to my mother, so it was it was pretty special. I like it. Yeah. So it was hinted at um, on your real world season and uh, the challenge that you were like basically an athlete um, and you played uh, football. I uh, did a little bit of research. You uh, actually were a wide receiver um, at Frostburg State University, correct? That's correct. Yeah. How did you um, get into playing football? Was it at a young age? Uh, did you play your whole life? Like, what kind of was the beginning of uh, making you want to play? Yeah, I appreciate the question, man. It's um, something I, I didn't actually start playing football until my sophomore year of high school. Unlike some of my friends that played when they were younger, I always felt like I was too small. I was pretty skinny as a kid. So uh, when I first entered um, high school, my freshman year, I actually ran cross country because I was I thought that I was too small and too fragile to play football, even though I liked it. So my freshman year, I ran cross country, which obviously made me extremely well conditioned. And then when I finally mustered up the courage and I put on a couple more pounds, uh, I decided by sophomore year I was going to go ahead and try to play football. So, um, you know, I made an impact right away because of my speed, and, and that was pretty apparent that I was I was going to have that as an advantage. So packing on the size in high school, I don't know how many other people struggle with that, but that was my biggest thing was not necessarily any type of athleticism or conditioning. It was just it was really hard for me to pack on size. So I played undersized pretty much my entire high school career, and then um, Frostburg State University, if you're not from Maryland, you're not probably going to be familiar with this college at all, but it's a Division three, which is now a Division two college in Western Maryland in the Appalachian Mountains. And um, their offensive coordinator actually called me that summer, and they were the only college to offer me a spot in training camp. So uh, I specifically went to that college because it was my only offer, and um it is what it is. I mean, all it takes is for one person to like you. And you see yeah. this in NFL sometimes. They tell players the same thing. <clears throat> all it takes is for one team to fall in love with you. So I don't know that they fell in love with me, but it doesn't matter. It was one team that offered me a spot, so that's actually why I went to school there. Yeah. Um, could you walk me through your uh, real-world uh, casting process? Um, what made you want to uh, audition? So... Wow, man. Like I was always like a, a class clown in high school and stuff like that. I was always, I always had this urge to be like the center of attention and my ego was inflated at a really young age. It was just, I guess the, the crowd that I hung around and I always 
always felt like one of the cool kids. Like I was a little bit different. And then when I got to college, um, it was, it was pretty accessible. Like you could literally just go on MTV.com and I don't know how it is today. I haven't been on there in forever, but MTV.com would just literally have like a submission section where you could just go and just submit stuff. And I had a buddy that turned me on to it and said, Hey man, I think that, you know, you'd be good for this. Or I think that you have an honest shot. And, um, you know, I sent in a generic submission. It was a really short thing. It wasn't even anything like super official. It's like basic stuff, fill out your name, your date of birth and give us like a short bio of yourself. It's like five sentences. So, um, they were casting down in Washington DC and, um, I went and, um, I mean, it's a, the entire process is kind of a long story, so I won't bore you with the entire yeah. process, but yeah. that's essentially how it got started. It was just kind of like a, a friend that told me about it. Uh, I filled out a random submission form, and push came to shove. You know, months and months and months later, they actually chose me, which was pretty wild. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, you guys, for your real-world season, we're going to St. Thomas. Beautiful uh, place you were staying. Um, did you have anywhere specific you were hoping to, uh, stay at when, uh, going there or no, not necessarily like, so first and foremost, like I had no idea where St. Thomas was even really where the Caribbean was. And I know that sounds like super ignorant, but for somebody who didn't do much traveling prior to that geography was not one of my strong suits. So when you see, if you're familiar, like Latoya and I, in the first episode, you know, and I, I asked her when I was at her house, I said, where, where is St. Thomas? Like, and I actually cut that, that audio and used it in the trailer for the season. And it sounds like super ignorant, but it was like hundred percent real and raw. Like honest to God, true is like, neither of us knew where it was. They kind of provided us with like this little map. Um, but other than that, like had no idea anything about it. In fact, I actually naturally sweat pretty easily. So I was actually like, while we were casting, because they don't tell you what city it's for, I was actually hoping it was going to be something random, like the real world Alaska or (laughs) something. Because like something cold, because for me, I sweat so easy. So not going to say that I was like bitter when I found out it was St. Thomas, because I wasn't. I mean, it was beautiful. You know, it's paradise. But I knew I was going to be sweating my ass off the entire season. So um (laughs) No, it was an awesome location. I feel really privileged and really lucky to have a had a unique location. It had never been done before and um, something that I believe was memorable. But it wouldn't have been my first choice for a uh, for a location, but it, it worked out. I mean, I take it you're a cold weather guy because being yeah. from Maryland. Yeah, I- yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit more northern. I mean, not as much as like New York and Boston, but we still, you know, we get all four seasons and our, our winters can be, you know, we get yeah. blizzards and stuff too, so... Uh, just me personally, like I said, I just I just sweat really easily, man. So anything anything remotely humid or hot, I know I'm just gonna. I pretty much have to wear neutral colors because I'm gonna sweat through them. Yeah. <laughs> um. So when you went on St. Thomas, did you previously know about the challenge? And when you were there, were you uh, in hopes that uh, you would be noticed to get casted for the challenge? So I did know about the challenge. I I wouldn't say that that was like my main idea at all. In fact, it probably, I was so overwhelmed and excited with the, just the, the overwhelming sensation of being on the real world that the challenge really did not cross my mind for like weeks and weeks and weeks. It wasn't until there was like one random day where we were all kayaking out front because what either Butum and Murray or MTV had done is they had provided each one of us cast members. So there were seven of us, all seven of us pretty much 
had the same thing. So there were seven kayaks at the house. There were seven golf clubs. There were seven, there was like seven of everything. So one of the things, like I said, was kayaks. And one day we were kayaking out front and our executive producer, Jim Johnston, who has been the executive producer of real world for like ever, um, he had mentioned something while we were kayaking out front. Cause it's kind of, a an athletic activity, I guess it's active. And he's mentioned something along the lines of, um, and this isn't word for word, but it was just something along the lines of, uh, you know, I don't have control over who the challenge cast. That's a completely different producer and a completely different side of the company. However, I can say that they do take a look at this footage and they most likely will take into consideration, like who's athletic, who's outgoing, things of that nature. So again, there's no guaranteed sure way that you can, you know, guarantee just because you're on the real world, you're going to get it on the challenge. And just because you're the most ripped person on your season doesn't mean that you're going to get on there either. Of course, there are people on the challenge that have not particularly been like the most athletic or fit. There's there's no one surefire 100% formula, uh, but I guess that you could say that there are things that you could do to put yourself in a better position. To be honest with you, man, people just think because you do like real world or even a reality TV show in general that you can do them all, that you can do all of them that ever come up. I, I can't tell you how many of my friends have tried me to get me to go on the bachelor because they think that because I've done real world and challenge that somehow I'm just like, I have a golden ticket and right. I would say maybe I have a small advantage in the fact that I have a, a small following and a little bit of experience. But at the end of the day, no one show ever just grants you the Willy Wonka golden ticket into another. Like that's not how it works. You still have to cast you still have to be, you know, appealing, entertaining, and people either lose charisma or gain charisma over time. And you also may not be what they're looking for at that particular time because when I had casted for Real World, that was actually my second try. I went out when I was 19, what ended up becoming the Real World DC, which I did not know at the time, um, and I didn't get picked. But one right. thing I remember a cast member, or excuse me, a casting director telling me was, you know, um, it may not be you. It may just be that we don't feel like you're a good fit for this season. And that sounds like a really cliche cop out. Like when you're determined to get something, that's not what you want to hear. It's kind of like, yeah, you probably say that to everybody. But that was proof in my case because two years later they actually did pick me. And I wasn't I wasn't much different, you know, two or three years later. It was just I think that if you put me uh, in real world DC with that cast and instead you see me on real world St. Thomas – I would venture to say you probably would have got two different trays. Um, D.C. is only 45 minutes from my home. D.C. and Baltimore are only split by like 45 minutes to an hour. So one is like my backyard and one is a tropical island. So you might get two slightly different versions of tray, right? So, you know, you just – the challenge, I thought about it, but I didn't really put much stake in it. I was really not even trying to sound like super cliche, but I was really just trying to like – enjoy the moment that I was in with real world. And that was at the time. Yeah. So you guys were the uh, most recent uh, season of the real world, right before your first challenge season battle of the seasons. Um, And you guys actually, your season wrapped up a week before um, the premiere of battle of the season. So you guys were kind of like the the new cats on the block. Um, Would, how would you say it was like adjusting? Was everyone looking at you kind of like, these are like the new guys or was there was a lot of rookies on that season. For sure. Right? But um, yeah. would you say it was like you guys felt like the outsiders coming in? 
Well, so first of all, you've done your research, which is awesome, because I almost forgot how many weeks it had been, but you're, I think you're pretty spot on. I was home for like a week, and then the challenge producers asked and called if we were interested, and we said yes. So as you also probably know, four of us seven went on the show, yeah. which meant that three were left at home. That was Swift, LaToya, and Brandon. They were left at home to essentially promote the season by themselves. And they whisked Laura, Marie, Rob, and myself away to Turkey, to Bojum, to film, you know, Battle of the Seasons, you know, I guess two, you can call it. But um, when we were there, I mean, we couldn't promote the show at all. Our show was getting ready to air. Our real world season was getting ready to air in three weeks, and we couldn't do anything. Like, we were already filming for another show, which is both cool and not cool. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't really get, like, maybe the full experience that other casts have gotten. Um, But... We were definitely new to the scene, but so were so many other people, like you mentioned. I mean, there were so many rookies on that season, like Zach and all those people from San Diego and New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. I believe half of Vegas. That might have been Nani's first season and Dustin's first season as well. Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, there there were just so many of us, dude. Like, it's, you know, I felt like we were the newest because we were. Our season hadn't even aired yet, so at least the other real-world cast members have seen themselves on TV. They've gotten a little bit of probably the promotional experience afterwards of, like, doing clubs and bar, you know, things. And We didn't get to do any of that yet. Nobody really knew who we were, We, you know, besides people that are, like, diehard fans that follow, like, leaks on the Internet. So, I mean, we were new, and um, I think it, it did actually work to our advantage a little bit, though, that we were there with so many other people who were there for their first time. Right. So aside from the obvious people that were on your team that you um, were in the real world house with, was there anyone else on that cast you initially kind of meshed with? Because I noticed um, Danny and Wes actually tried taking you uh, under their wing a little bit. Yeah, so there were a couple people that I really resonated with. So you mentioned Danny, so I'll go with Danny first. You know, for diehard fans of like the challenge or uh, real world Danny was one of the people that I remembered watching growing up because Austin was one of the seasons that stuck out for me. Um, Danny took me under his wing in kind of two different ways. One, it was probably that I reminded him a lot of himself when he was early on. Similarities were both short white guys with brown hair, whatever. There's like physical similarities. But his relationship with Melinda uh, was really predominant during his season. I mean, and they eventually ended up getting married as well. Whereas at the time I was dating Laura and one of the things that I was struggling with was, you know, is this real love or is this just a showman's? And it doesn't mean that I didn't have real feelings for her, but you start to question like, is this the right person for me or are we only together because of the pressures of the show? And ultimately what ended up becoming reality for both Laura and I, it was mutual that we realized that the show was the common major factor to this day. I mean, she's married and, and has children, which is amazing. But Danny, I think, saw a little bit of himself in me because he knew the pressure and guilt that comes along with feeling like he had to be with Melinda. Not saying that he didn't love her either, but there is pressure from fans and media to make a relationship work, even if it's not what you entirely want for yourself. And when you're young, like I was 23 years old, you're impressionable and you haven't experienced enough and you're not comfortable enough in your own skin yet to really you know, understand that. So Danny right away was kind of like a big brother. Later on in that season, I ended up going up against him in that that challenge called Oil Change where we had to wrestle each other. And it it was a big mutual respect, man, because, you know, he was bigger than me, but it was just kind of like the things that's kind of suck on these challenges sometimes is you go up against people that you like. 
which yeah. makes it entertaining for the fans. But if I could have picked anybody on that cast, he would have been the last person against. But it's kind of like, well, I don't want to go home, and you don't want to go home. So it's a mutual, you know, we like each other, respect kind of deal, but we neither of us wanted to lose. Yeah. Um, and then just real quick, yeah, Wes was a guy that I liked. Alton, Alton was awesome. Yeah. I loved his vibe. And uh, I know he had kind of an early exit, but in the beginning, Big Easy, Big Easy was like super chill, super laid back. I loved Eric. Um, so the, I guess if you put that in a, like a common group, they were like the vets. They're yeah. like they're like the older dudes, and Ch- too, I like Chet a lot too. So yeah, I'm naming people. They were like probably the major veterans on those shows. Yeah, maybe I'm just an old soul. I just. I like genuine people, and the dudes, right. are they playing the game or not, they just seem genuine, yeah. so that was it. Um, since we're on the topic of like, uh, not like, um, talk to me a little bit how your rivalry with Zach started, because we saw Zach and uh, Frank kind of uh, try to get you to go their way, and the, there was kind of a distant agreement between uh, you and Zach, um, but they didn't really show us um, much. It was kind of just like a little, you know, but then obviously we saw that you two had some uh, like beefs on Twitter, and then you were on the AfterBuzz TV talking a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what was kind of uh, not not seen uh, to us viewers? Um, could you explain to me like behind like what was kind of the stem of your rivalry with Zach? Sure. I mean, usually, Mike, you're spot on again, man. You did a, you did a good amount of research, and and you're you're 100 correct. And obviously, you guys don't get to see everything that happens behind the scenes, but. I'm going to be honest with you, man. This is probably, and I, I think Zach would agree with this, this is one of those things where I feel like you guys actually did see the majority of the interaction between Zach and I because there really wasn't much. Like, there was a lot. Like, I really didn't talk shit about him behind the scenes. I don't know what he said about me. He probably said more about me than I said about him, but I didn't really care that much, man. Like, I was very much one of those boring characters that just kind of, like, wanted to put my head down and just go to work, man. Like I was there to win a challenge. Like, and I know that that's not the most appealing thing in the world. It doesn't make for an exciting cast member. It's probably one of the reasons I'm not being brought back to this day, but I'm okay with that because I'm, I'm comfortable with who I am. I just wanted to show up, win challenges and go back to the mansion, dude. I didn't want to like really get involved in the drama. So the drama actually started by not trying to get involved, which I guess is yeah. kind of how it starts anyway. But, um, he had already, I don't want to say manipulated because that's going to sound bad, but he had already persuaded, I should say, uh, half of my team, Marie and Rob, to kind of align with their alliance thing. The only problem with that was he was essentially splitting us in half because, and the way that these shows go, I understand, you know, it's nothing personal, but the people that I was starting to gravitate towards in the house, like Chet and Wes, these are people that I shared a bedroom with, which is important in challenge houses. Like who you yeah. room with, who you room with is important. That's who you got to sleep next to at night, etc. And I won't go too far into that topic. But he was basically trying to get me to go against people that I genuinely liked. Like I genuinely like Chet as a person. I think he's a good dude. So because I'm, I carry morals, and my morals are important to me. I didn't want to just backstab somebody for the sake of a show. I didn't want to backstab somebody for the sake of money. I just felt like it was petty, man, and I really felt like I was one of these rookies that was willing to earn my stripes. So if it meant me going into an elimination and having to prove myself and win, I was willing to do that. Now, it sucks because that does look stubborn. It does look like egotistical. 
dependent on your perspective and whether you're my friend, you're not my friend, you'll see it a certain way. But for me, I was not afraid of going at it. And um, I wanted to kind of earn my stripes per se and not throw people that I liked under the bus. Whereas the majority of people that play this game and hey, they're smarter than me. They don't care. They'll sell their to the devil for a quarter of a million dollars. And a lot of people at home will, too, and that's cool. I'm just not one of those people. And to this day, I'm happy with myself. I'm happy with the decisions that I made. No, I'm not a quarter of a million dollars richer, but let's be honest. I mean, even if I would have thrown those people under the bus, there's still no guarantee I would have won. So it it is what it is. That's what's great about these shows is that it's up to each individual person to make their morals and their choices and whether or not they're willing to hurt people and upset people for money or if they're so in touch with themselves and comfortable with themselves that they don't need it. Like they would rather just be an honestly and fairly. I think that's why you get people that you root for like really hardcore and people you can't stand. And that's yeah. what makes television. Yeah. It seemed like they kind of tried to push uh, you and Zach as one of like the most real, um, like hostile uh, rivalries going into uh, rival two season. Sure. I think a lot of it might've stemmed from him being kind of the alpha male on his real world season. And then you kind of fill in the same role this, this season right after. Absolutely. Um, but what would you say the dynamic was between you guys heading into Rivals 2? Like, obviously, it was said by both of you that you guys um, weren't on speaking terms. Um, how is it heading into the season, your dynamic with Zach? Well, I didn't talk to him at all before the season. And in case you didn't know, I mean, the way that these challenges kind of work, bro, is they, they don't tell you what the theme is before you go. You you really do pretty much find out when that during that first episode – your first time seeing TJ at whatever the elimination is called, whether it's the gulag or the stadium or whatever it's called that season. Um, that's where he tells you the theme. And, right. uh, you know, some people can kind of pick up on it before, like battle of the seasons was kind of obvious. They were taking yeah. four people from each season that we were kind of like, all right, we get it. But then there's other seasons you really don't know, like free agents. Like how would you have known that free agents was literally going to kind of be every person for themselves? Exactly. They're there could have been a theme to that. If you looked around, you could have found people that were exes or whatever. So, you know, I didn't talk to Zach before the season, had no idea that it was going to be Rivals 2. And then even in the moment when he announced it was Rivals 2, when TJ said it, my first thought was honestly, and maybe this is blind to some people, I thought mine could have been Frank because I didn't like Frank. Yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I really thought I was like, shit, I'm going to get stuck with Frank. And like we had a conversation later, but Zach told me, he said the second that TJ said rivals, he's like, I knew it was you. I knew it was you. See, I didn't know it was Zach. Like I didn't, I didn't hate him that much. Like it wasn't like that, but I guess for him it was. And when I saw the trailer for rivals too, and he was, I hate this kid. I hate the ground he walks on. I was like, God, (laughs) it's like, you're either hyping this up like hardcore to like get people, you know, hyped at home, like entertainment wise for fans. And you're like putting on, which I know is part of it, but, or you really hated me that much. And I didn't share that same sentiment. So I didn't get it either. Right. So he's obviously physically larger than me. It's not like I was going to challenge him to an arm wrestling contest. Like it is what it is, but you know, I didn't feel that I didn't share that same sentiment. So, um, yeah, there wasn't a lot leading up to it, Mike. It was just, you know, we were home, we didn't talk. And then the next thing I know, he's my partner. Now I will say in that moment, the second they were like Zach and Trey, I was like, well, I don't hate him that much, and he's the biggest dude here, so that's cool. I got the, in my opinion, I mean, CT was on that season, sure, but Zach, in my opinion, was in the best physical shape. I mean, he's, no he's, doubt, just, yeah. 
just as big as CT, works out all the time. So, you know, from that standpoint alone, physicality, I didn't even care that he didn't like me. That was the first time I probably saw dollar signs. I was like, Zach's my partner. Like, we're going to dominate this. We're both athletes. Like, I feel good that, you know, no offense, but I'm not stuck with Preston or Derek or, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of caught, you know, beginner's luck with the physical specimen, and it is what it is. Did you guys need to, like, have a talk uh, to coexist, or was it kind of just, we're both athletes, let's make this work? Yeah, I mean, the talks definitely did happen. Um, but the athletic conversation did come up too. So we had a lot of, um, we had a lot of like, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Not analogies, but a lot of comparisons, I guess. So Rocky and Bullwinkle, or he used to call me Mighty Mouse, or, um, you know, there was one challenge in particular. He was like, you pick, you're the little brother. And I was like, okay, that's a little bit later in the season where we started kind of like in a little bit. But what I noticed is it was very much like big guy, little guy. But there was one night where we were out at a bar in Thailand and uh, he had a conversation with me and we weren't even really drinking that much. I could tell we were starting to put stuff to the side and he was like, you know, we had this honest conversation. A lot of people probably do on these, you know, rival shows, but he was like, you know, Trey, I feel like we got the best chance to win. We had already won two challenges at this point. Yeah. Excuse me. We won the first two. And um, he did mention something like you said, he's like, look, we're both athletes. You know, he's like, I trust you. Um, you know, there's no reason that we can't win. I want to win this. So that's what we did every week, man. We just, we just went to work. I mean, we weren't best friends. I don't think that we thought we were going to be best friends afterwards, but we both had a common desire and yes, the money is part of it again, but I think I can speak for Zach on this at least too. I think just the idea of winning is just it, man. Like, seriously, like, you hear professional athletes talk about this all the time, like, winning a Super Bowl is better than winning an MVP or something like that. And it is true, man. It's like something about winning the whole thing feels really good. And Zach had won the season before. He won Battle of the Seasons. I deferred to him a lot, man. He was technically a champion, something I didn't experience. So I kind of let him, you know, just kind of – I tucked my own ego down, and I was like, look, this guy's a champion. He's bigger than me. I'm going to let him call the shots for the most part. I'll just fall in line, play my role. And that was the first time, as like you mentioned, an alpha male, I think I started to understand the mental aspect. And I was like, okay, know your role, know your place, just fit in, man. Just show up, do your job, essentially. And you're going to go like places, man. Like this kid can carry you physically, like yeah. literally. So, um, yeah, we had those talks, Mike. And it was, uh, I mean, I think it was commonly understood by, I would say, especially after we won two of the challenges, I'm talking week three, we were like, we were set to go. We were like, all right, man, we got this. Like, I don't really hate you that much. Let's just let's win this damn thing. So you guys, obviously, as we just mentioned, um, won the first two dailies. You were pretty close to winning the third one, actually, too. Yeah. Um, you guys kind of were looking like the uh, team to beat. Did you guys think or feel um, that you were had a, sh- a real shot to win this? Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah. In fact, we thought we won the third challenge, too. Um, yeah. I was actually surprised when they announced, you know, Frank and Johnny had won that one. And, uh, you know, I knew that it was close, but Zach and I had already killed the first two challenges. And the third one, I mean, it did. When you're up there, it feels like you're you're flying through it. Yeah. We went side by side with Ty and Leroy, and I knew that we, we beat them heads up. So I already knew we were ahead of one good team. Yeah. It's kind of hard to compare yourself because – what MTV doesn't do is they don't let you time yourself. So 
for whatever agenda they push for the show. And I, I don't know this to be true or not. There's, you know, all types of other people out there that might have this knowledge, but we don't get to wear watches. We don't get to bring stopwatches ourselves. Like we have to trust that their timer is correct. So I have no idea if Zach and I finished it in a minute and Frank and Johnny finished it in 57 seconds. I don't know. They don't tell us. And even if they did, who knows if they lied about it just for the sake of the show. I, I don't know. All right. I know, I just show up. I try to win. There are some challenges where they can't, you know, fake a timer. Uh, some are based on time. But yeah. for, for those, you just kind of have to trust that, you know, the, the um, production is being honest and, if they're not being honest, that they're at least doing it with the best interest in mind of what's going to be most beneficial for the show. So yeah. I don't know that there ever have been decisions in the past where they've, they've lied and said that somebody else has won that didn't really win. But I will say that that third challenge, it did feel like we won. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think Zach and I both knew, even when we lost and came in second place, I mean, you're talking, okay, first, first, second. It's like, dude, we're, we're here, man. And people knew, we, like people knew they uh, that we were a challenge. Yeah, I remember telling one of my buddies recently, um, after evaluating like the dailies and the eliminations for the rest of the season, how everything I thought would play out or how it already did play out, I said that if you guys obviously remained in the game, um, I honestly pegged you guys in at least second place because after rewatching the final, obviously, Johnny and Frank almost ended up uh, losing that first half to Jordan and Marlon, but Marlon couldn't even swim. So yeah. yeah. Take him out and put in you and Zach, two guys that know how to swim. That's yeah. such a huge difference right there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, man. 100%. We, we felt really confident. And I think that that was one of the most depressing things about the DQ and the early exit is that you feel like you're leaving something where there's a lot of unfinished business. Like, well, my first season, Battle of the Seasons, like, I was eliminated fair and square to Nani and Dustin. Like, Laura and I lost straight up, you know, and, and that was our first real experience with a challenge. And, I felt confident with Laura as a female partner, but I was I was humble enough to accept defeat because Nani and, and Dustin were good competitors as well. But Zach and I had already won multiple challenges. It we seemingly won the elimination round. Um, so you know that long long flight home from Thailand, like over the Pacific Ocean, back home to the states, man. Like it was just a really somber talk about like like shit. We should still be there, dude. Like this is bullshit. Like we were just, it was kind of almost depressing, man, because you know that the show's going all without you. And, um, you could tell if you remember that episode that we got eliminated in, or in the disqualification round, um, you can tell how excited the cast was that we got killed. Oh, yeah. And, and that really, I'm not saying this, um, from a conceited standpoint at all, cause I, I don't view it this way, but I don't think it had a lot to do with me. I think it had a lot to do with Zach cause Zach being yeah. a, specimen and having the demeanor and the attitude that he does he ruffles a lot of feathers man you're either like his buddy like knight was or you you don't want to get in his way it's like you know juggernaut next man dude he's just going to truck through you so i knew that when we got disqualified a lot of people were happy because one there's a really big obstacle that's taken out of the equation now we don't have to worry about zach and trey mainly zach uh but also he ruffled so many feathers, not just with me, but with other people. I mean, he took off his helmet and threw it at Jordan. You know what yeah. I mean? You didn't see me do that. Like, I didn't really like Jordan either, but I, I just wasn't like that. So, yeah, I mean, I again, the excitement that you see in the cast when we get disqualified, that's real stuff, man. Like, that's them excited that, like, oh, shit, that was a big, big obstacle that just got taken out of us for for uh, for nothing. We didn't, Like, people like Johnny, Johnny didn't even have to do anything. He got yeah. to basically sit there and watch an elimination where arguably the best team took themselves out of the game. 
Like, can you imagine how exciting that is for somebody like yeah. Johnny? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm making his job easy for him. That sucks. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, in that uh, daily, uh, the fifth one, it was you guys were running across the beam, and uh, it was called Frog Splash, uh, Smash, my bad, uh, I believe. And they were swinging at you guys to try and knock you off. You guys um, obviously slipped up and landed in the jungle. But um, when it was Preston and Knight's turn, Johnny had a deal with me with you guys that he would uh, swing at them, and he uh, went against that. And you guys kind of wanted to see him in the elimination with you yep. guys. Um, so since we're on the topic, uh, what was your relationship and dynamic with uh, Johnny Bananas like? Yeah, so first and foremost, I'll totally own that that challenge, man, that was all me. Zach did a pretty decent job, but for one reason or another, that, that balance beam was it was tough for me. Johnny did. He uh, he slipped up on his word, but look, let's be honest, man. I'm, I'm not a diehard challenge fan, like watching it as many as much as some people do, even though I've been a participant, that doesn't just yeah. equal that I'm like a, a over the over the top fan. I didn't really watch a crap ton of seasons before my own, but I knew that Johnny was a schemer. I knew he was like yeah. a slump ball, you know what I mean? So it didn't it didn't necessarily surprise me, but again, I'm kind of a, a guy that likes to operate on moral code, which doesn't yeah. like do well in this game. So I was a little upset from a man perspective. I was like, bro, you went back on your word. Like that was the that was kind of the start. I was never a huge Johnny fan anyway, but that was kind of the start of like, all right, this dude's a shithead. Like I'm not, I just can't, <clears throat> I can't mess with him. I don't think he's funny. I think his ego is like through the roof. In fact, like when we first got to Thailand that first night, a lot of times what happens is when you first get to a location, like we have, you know, that first weekend where there's no challenges yet and nobody's even been decided on teams. So everybody parties. It's like yeah. the, weekend, the first weekend that you get there, everybody's drinking. And what does Johnny do? And like his honorary speech, he like jumps up on the fucking bar and he's like to this and to that. And he's like cheering to everybody. And I'm like, who nominated him for this? Like who he really carries this this weight. And I can't argue that he hasn't earned it or not. It's just more so like the ego that's inside of him that just feels this compulsion to be the ringleader. And I just never bought into it. I'm kind of like I'm kind of the mindset like I respect my elders, I respect those who came before me and who have earned their stripes and won. But at the same time, when you're in the house, we're all kind of equals, dude. And I, it just, when one person kind of steps above the rest and goes out of his way to, to make himself like the ringleader, it's just kind of annoying, dude. I'm not there for it. Yeah. So, um, I've never been a Johnny fan. I've seen him out in public a couple times at appearances and stuff. I think just like him and Wes, which they probably have a different dynamic, but it's kind of one of those things where you can put it to the side for business, but you would not see me hang out with Johnny outside of the shows. I mean, we're just we're not really huge fans of each other. Yeah. Um, so this is the question that's basically been on the minds of most people uh, that are fans of the show. What exactly happened on the Elimination DQ? Um, can you kind of walk us through um, what was kind of told to you guys off-camera, rule-wise, and by TJ? Yeah, so... Man, I just remember, that first and foremost, like, elimination rounds, and I've, I've, I've been a part of two of them, I'm 0-2, but I've, I've at least experienced two of them, so I know that they do come with a heightened sense of, like, adrenaline, for yeah. sure, and as a man, like, testosterone, like, I think I even took a pre-workout before, because you don't always know what you're going to be doing for the elimination, so, you know, you're, like, taking C4 or whatever your pre-workout is, and you're trying to get, like, all jacked up, thinking that everything is a physical challenge so i remember like being like really hyped up and i listened to the instructions you know all you got to alternate floors so one person breaks one one person breaks another cool whatever 
when we climbed to the top of that ladder to start, which you're climbing up four stories on a sketchy ass ladder. So I, I won't say that I forgot the rules on the way up, but like, there's so many other things that are going on. What I'm trying to get at is that a lapse in judgment is like, it's easily explainable and it's like super imperative to stay mentally focused as it is to stay physically like involved. So the aspect of breaking something on the ground is not entirely difficult. It really is just like any other sport or anything else that you've ever experienced in your life where they tell you that like the mental part is the majority of it or whatever. Like that's true. And I think that both of us had a lapse in the mental part. I don't even really remember Zach doing that much damage to the first one. So I, when I, I mean, just like everybody else, when I saw the footage rolled back, like it's undeniable that his foot stomped through the floor. It did. I'm telling you, and I'm not lying hundred percent, dude. Like when we were up there, it didn't feel like that to me, dude, because I was hitting it too. Like I was stomping on it too. And I think what eventually happened was Zach just got so frustrated that I wasn't breaking it fast enough. And he was like getting worked up that he tried to help me. But I think he just Spartan kicked that shit, dude. And it just, and it ended up breaking more than he thought it would. Yeah. Again, I don't remember it like that in the moment. I don't deny that the footage exists. I mean, that's what really happened. But from my perspective, maybe I was just super uber focused or blackout or whatever, but I genuinely thought that I broke it. I might've had a little bit of help, but it felt like I broke it. And then, you know, the rest is kind of history. I mean, we flew through it and I remember that feeling, man, of bursting through that door at the bottom and ringing the bell, just feeling like that's my first elimination win. I'm still here in the game. There's another aspect where without getting into too much detail, the longer you stay on the show, the more money you can, you can make for yourself, even aside from money. And that would have guaranteed Zach and I into, I believe, either the third or fourth week, which would have guaranteed us another paycheck. So there's all these, there's all these emotions. When you ring the bell, you're guaranteed another week on the show because there's female days and guy days. Um, you're guaranteeing yourself more money in your paycheck. Um, not only that, like you're establishing yourself, man. You you've won. You're you're yeah. kind of getting notch in your belt, right? So there's all these emotions, all these feelings, and um, when TJ comes down. It's kind of like the second where he says, you know, well, who broke this? And I was like, you're not going to do this, dude. Like, it's the way he was asking questions, bro. You just, like, knew it was not good. Yeah. And he, well, clearly Zach broke the first floor. And I'm like, there's no – and you start to see everybody in the cast go, oh, my God. Like, these guys are about to get eliminated. Yeah. And um, that, what you're seeing is, like, raw emotions, dude. It's like the shock. Zach's pissed. I remember driving back to the – you get – you know, whisked away really quick. And I remember going back to the hotel that night because you go to a hotel if you're eliminated. And uh, I overheard TJ and the executive producer, Justin Booth, I overheard them laughing while they were, like, riding in a golf cart, like, around the hotel because they stay in the the same hotel. The production stays in the same hotel sometimes that the cast members get sent to when they're eliminated. And I don't think that they were laughing about Zach and I. I don't probably nothing to do with us for all i know they could have been laughing at a monkey in the trees i don't know but we were so like mad about what happened hearing tj and justin laugh at that moment dude was like really bad man like it was really bad timing dude like we just got dq'd and now you're getting sent to a freaking hotel and the producer's laughing and the host of the show's laughing and you just feel your blood boiling dude like it's like you know you're about to be on a long flight home. You got to call your mom, call your girlfriend, explain what happened. You know, millions of people are going to watch this show, and it's going to look like you just dropped the ball. And that maybe even if I had done five, six, seven challenges, 
that still to this day might have been my best chance to win, where it was just me and Zach versus everybody, dude. Like, right. I don't, I can't think of another person or a situation where I might have had a better chance to win a challenge, like ever. Like that probably yeah. was like my one golden ticket, yeah. and we both lost it. So it's so many emotions. Again, you're 23, 24 years old. It's frustrating, man. It's just heartbreaking, dude, to this day. And that's my last appearance on national yeah. television with MTV. So to this day, I, I go back and forth between it's bittersweet. Like, I feel grateful that I was given um, the opportunity to do three shows, one real world and two challenges. That's an amazing opportunity that most people don't even get to do one. And I was, I was yeah. asked three. So I feel like super awesome about that. But then there's that salty feeling of like, yeah, but my last appearance, I was DQ'd and I'll never know. Like, yeah. there's a what if, like, what if I was given another opportunity or whatever? So it's, it's lingered, man. Anytime somebody yeah. puts it up, like that's, that's the lasting memory right there. Um, how did you and Zach kind of leave things off after you uh, were eliminated after that elimination? So we actually got, I would say fairly close, all things considered, um, he was actually dating Ashley Feldman at the time, who was a previous cast member on the Real World New Orleans. And uh, Ashley was uh, DJing. She was on a radio show in Boston, and Zach was living with her at the time. So, you know, he was dating one of the many previous World Passers that he's dated in his, in his list of those. Um, but he was dating Ashley at the time, and she was super cool. They were living in Boston together, and they invited me up to, like, wow. you know, right after the show, like, a little bit she was super nice and um like i was planning on it man like i really wanted to go up there and hang out with those guys and kind of see not necessarily like a bromance but who knows man zach and i could have became good friends for one reason or another there was never like an actual event that took place but zach and i i guess just fell out man to this day i haven't spoken to that guy in years and it's nothing personal he didn't do anything to me i didn't do anything to him i think we just lost touch and uh, never really made a conscious effort to maintain the communication like we have with other cast members. And um, so it's one of those things where you guys pretty much saw the rise and fall of Zach and Trey, um, you know, bond. It was kind of like you saw us at our, our worst kind of when we were arguing and not much else off camera, man. I mean, like you guys saw the bond that started to kind of happen over the course of time. And then little bit behind the scenes we were kind of public on twitter a little bit you know so yeah. people that followed us on twitter would see us interact and stuff but you know it just it it didn't really uh take off for the long term but yeah. I'm one of those people that's like even johnny man i'm not a huge fan of johnny but i'm just super happy for everybody bro like i just i want everybody to be well um nobody on that show nobody on that show is a bad person and they might not be for you they might even have stabbed you in the back but everybody there, one reason or another, one way or another, man, they're all good people, dude. And you know, it doesn't mean that we're going to be best friends outside of this. And there's people that I like more than others. But between Zach, Johnny, and even people I didn't met, man, I wish everybody that does those shows well, dude. Because it's a, it's a wild experience, and only a few of us know what that's like. It's like being a part of an exclusive club. So they're kind of like your family that you didn't ask for. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm sure you either might be aware, might not be aware. There's actually, like... Um, like fan communities for like challenge on Reddit, Twitter, and whatnot. Your names actually come up quite a bit uh, as uh, kind of like a what if category. What if Trey kept doing more? Like a lot of people have actually been uh, like talking about you on there. And how does that uh, how does that make you uh, feel? Well, first of all, it's super humbling. Uh, it's one of these things where, 
look, man, when you when you do these shows, like you play yourself. Like you're you are your character. Like I'm not an actor like with a fake name. Uh, I'm not faking an accent. I'm not reciting lines off of a script. Like I'm myself. So when you come home and people like you, they like you. They don't like Superman or Clark Kent that you played. Like they like Trey, the person. So it's, first of all, super humbling because it means that people have resonated with me, not a character I played, but they resonate with my personality or my demeanor or the way that I carried myself. So I love that, man. That makes me feel like really good about myself. It's a testament to my mother and the way that she raised me. So I feel good about that. Um, and I've been open for multiple years to, to come back, um, yeah. there's multiple opportunities or at least in my life, um, where it would have fit the timeline. And I was obviously, like I told you earlier, I mean, you know, I was a little salty about the last way that, you know, I went out on my last show. So I always kind of had this urge to redeem myself. Um, but I'm super grateful for like the fans that, you know, I knew not everybody was going to like me. There's not one cast member that is liked hundred percent. Right. So you get really comfortable with that really quick. Like, you know, and, um, it's that cliche. Like if you don't have haters, you're not doing something right or whatever, dude, I don't, I don't want to go that far into it, but basically to me, it's really, really nice to hear that people liked me, uh, that they wanted to see me back. I'm look, I'm just as, um, what's the word that I'm looking for. I'm just as, uh, honest with myself as everybody else probably is when they watch the show is that like, I know my role. I'm not a main character. I'm not going to be the most exciting person. I don't get into fights. I don't say outlandish shit and I'm not hooking up with every girl in the house. So yeah. I know when like MTV and Buena and Murray are making phone calls, I know that I'm not at the top of their list. What I try to appeal in is, um, you know, my athleticism. I always try to speak, to, speak, you know, with my, my physicality, like physically that I, and then, um, hopefully they might find me, um, at least attractive enough to, you know, ask for on the show. And then from there, they just maybe like my moral compass and my direction. And the fact that because I'm this grounded, I'm liable to butt heads with somebody anyway. I'm not saying that I'm always a hundred percent right. And I have all the answers, but because of my personality and how comfortable I am with myself and not willing to compromise all the time, like stab people in the back, that in and of itself is going to rub people the wrong way. So it's not like I'm, I'm just going to go in there and be a hundred percent boring. Like I'm just going to hide chances are like somebody's going to do something that pisses me off and I'm a human being too, man. I, I may lash back out or, you know, I may take the complete plot and twist it because, you know, I'm not a part of that alliance and now the whole show is screwed up and the whole cast is after me or whatever. Like you never know what's going to happen. So I, I would say this, I'm, I'm 31, but I'm still in shape. Um, and there is some type of urge, you know, for me to kind of, to go back and try it. So I don't know how many people will see your podcast or, you know, where it'll get shared or whatnot, but in case the producers didn't know before, you know, I'm, I'm not one for really the public image right now, but I'll say it here first, man. Like I'm, I'm ready to come back. I would love an opportunity to, uh, to do it again. Mm-hmm. I've actually read a few places that, uh, you were actually an alternate on free agents. Uh, you and Laura were an alternate pair for X's too, which was the following yes. season. And I've also read uh, the idea was kicked around to have uh, you and Marie go on uh, the Rivals 3, which was yeah. uh, co-ed uh, sex pairs. Yeah, so those are all, to my knowledge, 100% correct. In fact, I was actually utterly shocked. And I'm, of course, biased, but seriously, I, I think 
most people would agree with us here that, like, again, Laura and I might not be the most exciting people to challenge screen, but the fact that we weren't picked for XS3 was, like, baffling to me, dude. Yeah. Like, they sent us out to do the medical stuff, excuse me, and the psych stuff, and um, when I found out that we, like, weren't on, I was like, okay, so let me watch the show and see who's on. And, like, they reached, reached for some coverage. Reach, dude. Like, some of them reaches. And you even read it, even the fans, like, they're reaching. They're like, when did they hook up? Laura and I had an entire real-world season about our relationship. Like, the whole damn season was just about me, her, and the girl back home. And, like, entire real-world season essentially revolved around us. That was our story. We are. We were together. We got eliminated together. We, you know, like, everything was together. Like, to me, it was a no-brainer when X's came up. And Laura and I, even at the time, obviously, X's, hence the name, like, we weren't together. But we had a very, um, I think we talked either on the phone or we were texting or something. But I remember us having, like, really good communication about it. I was like, listen, if you're my partner, I feel good about this. Like, I know you're in shape. Like, I know that you're there to win. Like, Laura's not scared of stuff. Heights don't bother her. Snakes and bugs don't bother her. Like, Laura is underrated, dude. Like, she's a really good partner to have. She doesn't scare easily, which is a big part of these these challenges. You see so many people freak out about, you know, the heights or the things they have to eat. That stuff doesn't phase her, man. She's like a tomboy through and through. Like, she's, she's good. So, to me, you know, she, you give us the chance. You know what I mean? We could have made a final or something. And to not even have been given the opportunity but then to watch some of those other people get casted – I was a little salty about that. Like, free agents, I was like, okay, like, that would have been cool. But I also got to see Swift, who was, like, one of my really good friends to this day. Uh, I got to see him get his first opportunity in the challenge. So that made it a little bit easier for me because even though I was watching at home, like, I was rooting for my boy, and I was happy to see him get a chance because I felt like he kind of deserved one too. But exes, man, that was like, come on, bro. Like, you – I can't even remember some of the couples if it was, like, Tariq Bananas and Nani, they were not even seen together on camera. Yeah. Uh, Leroy and uh, Naya, same deal. Yeah. Like some of this stuff, man. It's Some of them were reaches, Mike. They were reaches, bro. It was it is what it is, man. inspiring against you. Yeah, a little bit. Like I, and when people ask me, they'll ask me all the time. They're like, because they assume that it's always been my choice, right? So in case you were going to ask this, I'll just let you know, bro. Like it is – because this is one of the number one questions that I actually get asked. Why didn't you do another one? It's like one of the major questions that I get asked. Why aren't you still filming? Why aren't you? Because they just assume that like everybody has the Johnny effect. Like all your friends right. at home think that they've seen him do it for a decade, that you could do it for a decade. And what people don't realize is that it's not ultimately up to you. Like, and now the cast pool is so freaking large, dude. Like back in the day, it used to be just real world and then road rules. And like that was it. And then there was, like, two seasons where they brought in, quote-unquote, fresh meat. And that was it. And now it's, like, people, when they brought in whatever the fam- bloodlines, now you can get cousins of cast members. Then they brought in people from Europe. And then they now they got Big Brother and all these other shit. By the time I'm telling the producers that I want another shot, there's, like, you went from a pool of, like, 250 people to, like, Christ, man, there's probably over 1,000 people now that they could pick from, maybe even more. And... I would say that I haven't been relevant in six years, seven years. So it's yeah. like my chances of getting invited back now are probably slim to none. 
I know that I'm still probably in a pool of consideration somewhere. Um, but for one reason or another, man, it, it hasn't come to fruition. And I'll just say it, it, it's not really been because of my choice. I've taken anytime MTV and Buna Murray have offered me an opportunity to be on television. I have said yes. And I've taken it. Even the ones where I was just an alternate cast member, I said yes, and I flew to whatever location they needed for me to take a physical or a psych evaluation. That's one of the things that allows me closure and to sleep at night because do something, I did it. I can't control whether they give me the final, and they made those decisions for whatever reason, and I just have to live with that, so... Um, I noticed earlier you said something uh, to the effect when we were talking about uh, Zach's throwing the helmet at Jordan. You said that you weren't a fan of Jordan either. What Did you guys have uh, kind of like a dust up or is it just a... Uh... Nah, just ego, man. Just ego. He's one of those people that's like... It's like being in the room with somebody that has to have the last word. Uh, I've, I, you know, I think it's pretty commonly understood that because of his people call it quote-unquote disability, you know, with his hand, that he's always had this super uber I mean, the kid's a phenomenal athlete. Who fucking cares, dude? You're a beast, bro. Like, like you know, shit, and it's just... you. If you take into consideration the people that I say that I'm not crazy about or I don't get along with, it's egomaniacs, dude. It's just people that, like, can't get out of their own way. Like I told you earlier, I like Chet. I like Leroy. I like, you know, like, Big Easy. Like, I yeah. like people that were just, like, super chill, bro. Like, they don't take themselves too serious. Look, we're all here for the same reason. It, it is what it is, but then you just get these people in the show, and rightfully so. It makes for good TV and entertainment, but... It's just people like that if that's not your, you know, that's not your thing. Yeah, so I don't know if you're aware of uh, what's currently going on in the challenge, um, but this uh, season, uh, season 35 that's currently airing, um, Wes and uh, Johnny have actually uh, made a pact, and they're in an alliance right now. A two uh, what uh, is, what's your uh, feelings on that? I mean, Wes is my boy, dude. Like, I, I actually like Wes a lot. Like, when you go Team Johnny, Team Wes, like, I'm definitely Team Wes. I, I roomed with him on both challenges I did, so we shared a bedroom on both Battle of the Seasons and uh, Rivals 2. He, he eventually moved into my room because Le Leroy must have snored, like, really loud in that room, and then they were, like, argue all the time. So I don't know if you guys remember on Rivals 2. Like, my bedroom, everybody that was in my room essentially got eliminated until I was left all by myself. Rob got eliminated. I, I roomed with Tyree got eliminated. I roomed with Dunbar got eliminated. I roomed, like, I was in a room, and Derek. I, so it was like those two teams were out, and I was in the room by myself. Then Cara Maria got brought on as an alternate, and she didn't have anywhere to stay, so I let her come into my room. She asked permission, which was cool. And then Wes, <laughs> Wes came over one day, and he brought a quote-unquote peace offering. And he really, I don't know what he did. He bartered with Jordan, and he got a pair of Jordan's Under Armour flip-flops and he brought them to the room which were sizes 11 so they were like too big for me anyway and Wes comes in my room with these size 11 flip-flops and he's like I brought a peace offering do you mind if I room with you and I was like no dude I don't care like that's the type of dude he is he, he's cool so I've seen I don't really follow the challenge like super duper much 
but I, I still follow a couple of the cast members on social media that I've befriended. And uh, Wes and I are friends on Facebook. So I've seen, I would say like a small clip of like him and Johnny like talking and laughing. Yeah. To be honest with you, man, they probably do what Zach and I did where it's like, they probably hype a lot of stuff up for TV. I don't know this to be 100% certain, but let's not be coy. I mean, these things do happen. Like they could very well buddies best buddies outside of the show and just talk amongst each other like hey when we get on this season let's hype it up and make it like we hate each other for ratings i don't know which cast members do that and what don't or to what extent they take it to um i don't know that i've ever believed that they fully genuinely hated each other um but the reality is i mean they're two of the, the biggest cast members ever and um you know to see them at an alliance it's not surprising it's probably almost like it was ultimately destined to happen so yeah yeah. Um, what was your thoughts on Tyree and Dunbar? Dunbar was quiet as hell. I didn't really get a good opportunity to like get to know him that much, but Tyree became like one of my boys and I've met Tyree outside of the challenge twice. I think I met up with him in Vegas and I met up with him in his home state in Nebraska when I was dating Laura and I visited her cause they were like from the same city. So Tyree, if you don't know this, I know he's like a big black dude that does martial arts, but he is like undercover, like the biggest nerd. He knows like, all the super Superman like comic book numbers and stuff like that. So I'm also like a superhero geek. So like when we were in the room, like we would talk superheroes and comic books and like Tyree was just like somebody that you could just be yourself around like a, like a big bro, like just super cool, super chill. So love Tyree. Don't dislike or like Dunbar. Just didn't really get an opportunity to, uh, to get to know him that much. No, it's funny that uh, you mentioned about Tyree being your boy because I actually was speaking to Tyree about coming on here as well. And uh, when he was asking more about it, I actually said that um, you were one of the people that I spoke with. And he says that that was a good sell. So to me, that's awesome. Man. Tyree's got your back. And that makes uh, me feel really good because that's, that's genuine, man. Because like, yeah. I haven't really talked to him in a little bit. But again, just like Wes, I'm friends with Tyree on Facebook. You know, I see snaps of him and his daughter all the time. And, uh, you know, he's just he's one of those genuine people that you meet on the show that you, you feel lucky to have crossed paths with because he's just a good guy. So if you do get the opportunity to interview him, um, you know, I'm not just trying to blow smoke up his ass, man. He, he's, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. So I'm, I'm pretty grateful that he uh, he had high praise for me. That's cool. Um, so what have you been up to post uh, reality television? Man, it's been wild, dude. So well, I stopped doing reality TV pretty much when I was 24. Um. I did, and I'm going to walk and talk with you, by the way, because I'm going to grab my, my charger for the uh, laptop upstairs, and I'm going to carry you with me. So, basically, um, I actually did an episode. I don't know how much research you did, because it sounds like you did a lot. Um, I did an episode of The Price is Right. <laughs> when I, did you see that? I didn't see the episode, but I saw a screen grab of it on your uh, yeah. Instagram. Yeah, dude, it's, uh, that was pretty wild. So, after I finished like MTV reality stuff, I guess I was under the assumption, like so many people had led me to believe that I was destined for stardom or, um, you know, that I could just easily transition into like actual acting. And that's yeah. not exactly how that works. So, um, basically I flew out to LA, like probably a lot of the cast members do. And I tried to, I did take an acting class. Um, I actually went to uh, an acting class with um, a coach. His name is Aaron Spizer, and you guys can look him up. Aaron Spizer is actually one of Will Smith's acting coaches. So I, I got to sit in on like an intermediate course and um, learn a little bit about acting, which is 
how I realized that one, I was going to be really bad at it. (laughs) And two, that it's not just because you did reality TV does not mean you could become an actor. In fact, there's not really many MTV cast that go on to become like legit actors. There's like Jamie Chung and like Theo Vaughn too. Who's that? Theo Vaughn. Yeah, Theo is awesome. He, comedian. I follow all his stuff. Theo is so funny, dude. And then, like, if you want to consider, like, Mike the Miz, you know, yeah. he's more of a... I mean, he did play in a movie, but more of a wrestler, entertainer. But those guys are, like, anomalies, man. It's, like, so far and few between. So, again, like, I pursued a little bit of acting out in L.A., stayed out there for a little bit. Super cool experience, but it didn't take off. And then um, I came home... And uh, I got a part-time job with Monster Energy Company. So you've probably seen a lot of pictures with Monster Energy on Instagram. So I got that job back in 2014 as just a part-time brand ambassador with Monster Energy Company. Because basically, a lot of people, and I know that the fan forums, they always ask this. They're like, how do these cast members afford to leave their job for three months to go film and blah, 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 and then come back and they still have a job? And that's because most of us are either bartenders work part-time jobs and make enough money on the shows or, you know, we just have some type of side hustle. You see a lot of them that are doing their own little small startup companies, whatever, or maybe they live at home with their parents, who knows, but there's, you know, everybody's got their own thing. For me, I had a buddy that worked for Monster Energy and uh, they offered me a part-time brand ambassador position and because Monster Energy actually sponsors TJ Lavin and Uh, um, they're just like a super edgy, cool company, my my manager was cool had MTV came up again and um, you know offered me an opportunity to do another challenge, I would just have to put in a temporary leave of absence. So I started working with Monster Energy back in 2014 because I thought it'd be the perfect in-between challenge gig. And my, my manager was actually kind of a fan of the show, which was funny. So uh, I'm actually still technically employed with Monster Energy to this day. I'm coming up on my sixth year in October. Now, I don't work very often for them, but I've been fortunate enough to stay on payroll and um, they've been really great through this whole coronavirus thing with, you know, compensating employees. So shout out to Monster Energy. Um, and then for my full-time gig, I actually work in um, the security, private investigating and fingerprinting industry. So I work for a private company uh, that, and I manage armed and unarmed security guards. And then um, right now, because we're, we're going through this coronavirus thing, uh, I'm licensed in the state of Maryland to do fingerprinting. So if um, doctors and nurses need fingerprinting for their licenses and their backgrounds, or we're getting a lot of people that are applying for their handgun licenses and um, trying to purchase a firearm. We do fingerprinting and backgrounds for that. Um, so right now I've been staying busy with fingerprinting. I'm, con- I'm considered an essential employee because um, doctors and nurses are obviously essential employees and they need their backgrounds done. So um, I juggle the full-time job between being a security manager and a fingerprint tech. And then uh, part-time I still work for Monster Energy as a brand ambassador on a few weekends and so that's kind of been my gig for the past few years now. And again, just kind of waiting for an opportunity. I think if MTV were to call and, and ask me if I was interested, I think both of my bosses would be cool um, with just giving me a little bit of a hiatus to go and try one more time. I think that would be neat. Yeah. Um, Monster Energy was actually uh, was going to be my next question because I actually, the new Monster Energy Ultra, yeah. uh, that's actually what I drink for my pre-workouts. So. That's good. Man. Which one? The best to- or the rosé or what? I've tried most of them. My favorite's probably the uh, orange one. Okay, Ultra Ultra Sunrise. Sunrise, that's what it is. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's my favorite. Yeah, it's like an orange soda. Uh, Favorite monster? Oh shit, man! Out of the ultras. 
out of the ultras, I really like the green one. It's called Ultra Paradise. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of our newer ones. So it's kiwi lime with a hint of cucumber and in the aftertaste. And it is it is crisp, boy. So I, out of the ultras, yeah, the green one, Ultra Paradise, is my go-to. Yeah. Um, I noticed that uh, you're a Raven fan, uh, obviously being from the Maryland area. Yeah. Um, I had a signed Ray Lewis jersey up That's in my awesome. room. I was going to bring it down to show you, but obviously I'm outside. I don't want to risk it's any blemish on it. Um, good. But yeah, I met Ray Lewis. Um, had to have been probably six years ago. Yeah. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I met Ray Lewis. Um, I was real nervous going up to meet him. Uh, How was that, by the way? Was it cool? Was he nice? Yeah, he, he's huge. Big guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah he is but no that's kind of been a constant for me uh they do like a signing uh down in where i'm from i'm from uh north jersey but they have a signing in edison um okay. that's usually where i go uh ray's usually there a lot uh did i've met two that, breeds did you know that swift was from edison yeah that's actually why i said it i was watching the real world uh yesterday i thought uh, you would uh pick up on it yeah for sure i'd never even heard of edison before i met swift and now I've heard of it so many times. It's like Northern Jersey, right? Yeah, it's about 30-something from where I'm from. And I'm kind of right next to MetLife Stadium, where the Giants are Jets play. So who are, you, who are you a fan of then? Jets, Giants? or? When I was growing up, my household, uh, it was all Dallas Cowboys growing up. Wow. Uh, but uh, as I grew older, I was able to branch away from that stigma a little bit. Um I was a Russell Wilson fan in college, right? Okay. So when he got drafted to the Seahawks, I kind of latched onto them. Um, and he ended up winning the job, and then obviously the rest is history. And they ended up winning the Super Bowl in his second year. So I've got thrown the whole bandwagon uh, thing That's at okay. me quite. But, so um, you're, more the, you're more one of those guys that like follows a player that you like and then gravitates towards the team. I know a lot of people did that with like LeBron James when he went to like the Heat, and they followed him to the Heat. Yeah. And then- the Cavs and now the Lakers. So, I mean, it's not necessarily anything wrong with it. I had a friend that grew up and he loved Alex Rodriguez. So he was a Mariners fan, then a Rangers fan, then a Yankees fan. So, I mean, that's cool to each their own. Yeah. I, the funny thing about that, you mentioned LeBron. Um, I was actually like a LeBron hater. Like anywhere, like I was against him at all costs, but I was actually a Lakers fan. So him coming to us now, I was kind of like forced to, uh, yeah, I'll overcompensate a little bit. That's cool, uh, man. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you a little question here in the closing. Being okay. a Raven fan, um, there's obviously different eras. Um, there's the early 2000s with the whole uh, – it was defense-oriented. Um, and then you had the Joe Flacco era where you guys won your uh, second Super Bowl. And now um, I'd say like since Lamar Jackson's kind of taken over, it's been uh, – you guys do have – pretty great defense as well but it's been more offense oriented um out of those three the uh, early 2000 ravens the joe flacco and now lamar era what would you say out of the three um if you could rank them from least to greatest in terms of your favorite man i mean i was so the ravens won the super bowl their first super bowl in 2000 i was born in 88 so i was like 12 or 13 years old um because technically the Super Bowl took place in the 2000 season in 2001. So I was almost 13. I remember it pretty well. And the defense, see, defense isn't, depends on what type of fan you are. For me, it's exciting. For I other like people, yeah, for other people, like if a baseball game score is zero to one, they don't consider it 
the good pitching and defense exciting to watch, but it just depends on your perspective, right? So for me, 2000 Ravens defense gets brought up as, if not the best defense of all time, it's right up there in the top three with, you know, yeah. the eight, five bears, bears. And, you know, the box and stuff like that. So um, I would say I remember that. And that was really, really, really exciting. I, it's one of those things where I can pretty much name everybody on the defense that year. And we had Trent Dilfer at quarterback, which was a joke. And we won. Um, and then I was never really a huge Joe Flacco fan. Like, I mean, won it's a Super Bowl, was a Super Bowl MVP, and everybody used to joke around about him being elite. But um, I would say he was a pretty he was a pretty decent quarterback. He was a good quarterback, but he wasn't particularly exciting. I mean, he was he was kind of like uh, maybe he was kind of like me on the challenges. Man, he just shows up, goes to work, wins, and goes. <laughs> and now Lamar Jackson, man. I mean, look, he's you know they, they haven't won any playoff games with him. They haven't won any like significant like you know championships or anything like that. But he did obviously just win MVP. And in case you didn't hear, which you probably did, he's on the cover of Madden next year, which is yeah. So I will say with offense being like really exciting, it's definitely really cool to watch, man. And he is like the human joystick. Like I remember watching Michael Vick grow up and thinking he was like God on earth on the football field and watching Lamar. Now I never really thought that I would see an impactful player like Michael Vick again. And when Lamar first came on the scene, I just like a lot of other people was skeptical. I was like, you're going from Flacco to Lamar. It just, I, I've seen so many young athletic quarterbacks like that come in the league, scramble around, and then nothing happens, dude. Like they just don't, it doesn't really go anywhere. And Lamar last year, man, like that spin movie put on the Bengals and just like, there's just some things you watch, dude, and you're like, this is really cool. It's almost like when you watch early Tom Brady, you don't know that you're about to witness greatness for, like, the next two decades. Yeah. And I feel like this could potentially be that without trying to get, like, too far ahead. I feel like I'm witnessing Lamar in his second year, and it's kind of like, you know, am I witnessing a future Hall of Fame historic-type quarterback that's going to, like, shatter records and, and break a mold down and change the game forever? Or could he get hurt next year? And this just kind of be one of those fluke things where he had one good season. Like we really don't know. So if I'm ranking the three right now, I'm going to give 2000 Ravens what they deserve at number one. I would say just out of sheer excitement, Lamar and the team right now at number two. And although he did win a Super Bowl and was an MVP, I'm, I'm putting Flacco down at three. I mean, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that Super Bowl for the city, but all things considered, I mean, it was an exciting year, but it's nothing really like too, too flashy. The coolest thing about that year was the bomb to Jacoby, um, Jacoby in Mile High with the Broncos. Like, dude, that was insane. Like, you almost could nobody could believe that it happened. Like, no, nobody, yeah. he just heaved it, dude. And that was fourth down, led, right? Huh? That was fourth down, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's like, it, it's that so. Lon Miller breathing down his neck when he made yeah, that throw. And, and like, all the other things, the crazy things that happened, like, I think Ray, Ray Rice picked up. 27 yards on a fourth down screen against the Chargers. Yeah, Yeah, and then Ray Lewis, your boy, broke through, you know, the line of scrimmage at one time and just drilled a running back in the the backfield, like, you know, 10 yards back. So, so many exciting moments from that season, without a doubt, like the lights going out in the Superdome. And, you know, that was Colin Kaepernick's last, you know, kind of hurrah and stuff like that. So, a lot of cool memories, man, but – there's just something about this Lamar, dude. I'm, I'm hoping it's the real deal, bro. You guys had a really good offseason and draft, too. Hell yeah. Pieces. Needs. I think that Dobbins is going to fit in really well in the offense. And then, um, you know, drafting Steel. Yeah, that could definitely make up for the loss of C.J. Mosley that they didn't have last year and stuff. So, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I hope that we see, you know, some type of season this year. I'm just like you, man. We're all kind of in limbo waiting. And you know, I uh, I hope that, you know, we get an opportunity to watch some sports because I'm, I'm missing it pretty bad, man. Uh, last thing I'm going to bring up before we wrap it up. Um, sure. Since you're obviously a Maryland guy, um, a few years ago, I'd say, yeah, two years ago almost, I went to uh, Ocean City, Maryland. Still to this day, it's like probably my favorite place I've gone. Awesome. Um, while I was down there, I was looking for uh, things to do, and I noticed next to the boardwalk there was um, an under twenty one H two O. And then when I was scrolling through your page, I noticed you made an appearance there. So I just wanted to hear your whole uh, perspective on a H two O nightclub, bro. That was one of like my first appearances that I did like post show. So like, look, man, like the people that did like real world Las Vegas, like. Leroy and Nani and Dustin and Heather and all these guys, man, like they got to do like some really cool gigs probably out in like the Palms and Vegas and stuff. And like being from Baltimore, like when I came home and being on like a, a smaller season in like real world St. Thomas, like I wasn't booming like they were, bro. So it's like, you know, I would get some offers for promotional activity at bars and clubs, um, but it wasn't like anything major. So when H2O reached out, I knew it was an under 21 club. And, um, when I told my friends, because I accepted the appearance, I mean, the money was good, and it was like a, a trip down to Ocean City, so why not? But I told my friends, I was like, oh, I'm doing an appearance at H2O, and I mean, the jokes, bro. Like, just the, <laughs> they're like, oh, you're doing an under-21 club appearance, blah, blah, blah. And originally, this is a true story, man. They wanted me to judge a bikini contest, and I felt, like, kind of uncomfortable with it. Like, yeah. granted, the girls, I believe, I think it was 18 and over. It was between, like, 18 and 21. I can't remember. So, like, technically, they were legal, but just felt weird. So I told, like, the club promoter, I said, just pick one and tell them that I, I voted for them. Because I wasn't even, like, I just didn't even, I, I don't know, man. Like, it was an awesome experience, and I was grateful for, like, the opportunity. And then, again, anytime you're wanted somewhere, Mike, it's humbling, dude. Whether it's an under-21 club or I've had a girl come up to me in Starbucks one time and ask me for a picture. You know, there's it's just every, whether it's little or major, each experience or each time somebody comes up to you and either asks you for a picture or offers you something, it is extremely humbling because they don't have to do that. They don't have to like yeah. you. They don't have to gravitate towards you. Um, and uh, to me, that has always been probably my golden rule. I actually can say this without a doubt, and I'm pretty proud that I have never, ever, ever denied somebody a picture, ever. No matter how bad I've looked. You know, because there's been times I go out of the house bumming it, and maybe some people have turned it down. I've never in my life, if somebody's come up and said, oh, my God, like, you're so-and-so or something, can I have a picture? I don't care what I look like because it's it's more about them and the experience. Like, there's hundreds of bad pictures of me on the Internet. One more is not going to do anything. Right. Me, it's just that humility that's just mm -hmm. that somebody likes me that much, the least I can do, if it brightens their day just a little bit, is make an appearance or take a picture or whatever. And, of course, now, seven years later, I've... I rarely get it, but in the beginning, I was getting it quite a bit, and it's uh, it's a great feeling. So that's that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's funny you brought you brought that up. Yeah, I was actually supposed to go to Ocean City, Maryland, for Memorial Day weekend. I'm not sure. Uh, I that's kind of probably off the table now uh, yeah. with the whole coronavirus going around. Um, has Corona kind of has that's shifted uh, things for you a little bit? Yeah, with, I mean uh, a little bit. Obviously, work wise and stuff. I per I personally didn't have any uh, trips planned. But I know that it's affected a lot of my friends, and, you know, I think we're all kind of getting a little, uh, what is it, stir-crazy? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been tough. And, um, you know, 
I won't go into it too much. I'm sure you saw going through my Instagram. You know, my mom, my mom had passed away in October, and I was, uh, I was extremely close with her. And uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been hard because now I'm, I'm kind of like quarantined in the house that you know she lived in, and a lot of memories and stuff like that. So, um, just a, a small disclaimer, man. I know that this is kind of like a, a depressing time for a lot of people. We're all experiencing our own levels of anxiety and depression, and you know, I'm not by any means like um, a therapist or a psychologist or anything like that, but I, I acknowledge mental health issues and that they exist. So again, just kind of like a small disclaimer, man, if you guys, you know, maybe you yourself, your friends or any of the viewers watching, man, if you guys are experiencing like, you know, little bouts with depression or anxiety, you know, it's okay to own those feelings and feel that, you know, you're not alone. There's a lot of people going through it from the people. You watch on TV, no matter how big you think their life is, to just your neighbor, you know, right next door. You know, we all kind of experience that in our own way. So everybody just kind of hang tough, try to find an outlet, man, whether it's video games, music, movies, uh, even calling your friends and FaceTime or whatever. And we're all going to get through it together, man. So it is what it is. All right. Well, Trey, it was a pleasure having you. You're a great guy. And MTV, just know. <laughs> Trey, say it yourself. You're willing to come back, right? Ready to come back, man. Bring the bring the He's boy ready back. ready to go whenever you guys are. So it was a pleasure having you on, man. Thank you for uh, being so generous with your time this evening. So Hey, I appreciate the ask, man. I don't get to do many of these interviews anymore because, again, I'm not a Johnny or a Wes. But, you know, anytime somebody reaches out, no matter how small the following or how large the podcast is, uh, I enjoy these, man. These are, these are kind of cool. So I appreciate your interest. I appreciate the research that you did because you came with questions and, and you knew your stuff. So that, that hey, was. Man, I, I was looking forward to this. For the last year or so, um, me and my buddies have been talking about you in particularly. We know how Zach kind of, he's on like a pedestal a little bit. But um, we kind of said if this guy kept doing shows, we kind of liked how you were there for the competition. You know, you were pure. You know what I mean? I appreciate that, man. It means a lot. And like I said, I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity for you to have me on and speak my piece for about an hour or so. So that was cool, man. Thanks well, for that. We're getting your name out there now. So let's see what happens. Oh, yeah. Put uh, it out there, man. Put it out there. Um, stay safe, though. And it, it was a pleasure. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you very much, man.